<laughs> That's how it works. Spirit of rebellion, be rebuked. Amen. <laughs> we'll do it later. All right, Genesis 40. So I just wanted to review this, anybody that missed it. Um, this is a passage of Scripture that uh, it talks about Joseph being in a prison after a time. And he's in that prison with a cupbearer and a baker. So last week, what the Lord showed us is the uniqueness of who Joseph is in prison with. One, a cupbearer, what do they do? Taste wine. So his dream is based on what? The vine. The wine, the cup. And so his dream is based on the cup, the vine, the wine. It's three days. And what will happen in three days? He will be restored. Because it's a picture of the blood. It's a picture, the cupbearer is a picture of the crucifixion. The blood of Christ will bring restoration and resurrection. Because it's forgiveness. That's the new covenant. It's a new and living way. Not a dead way. Not a ministry of death. It is alive forevermore. So, that cup bearer is a picture here of Joseph as he's in prison. A picture of that resurrection life. The baker, however, has a dream. And he is there. His dream is also, what? Three days. But the results of the baker who... What does a baker do? Bakes bread. Jesus came from Bet. Lehem, the house of bread. Jesus was what? The bread of heaven. So, you get this? So, now he's in prison with a baker whose representation is bread. What is communion? We took it. Wine and bread. We represent Christ's body. So here in the prison, you have a cupbearer and a baker represented by wine and bread. Wine brings restoration, brings resurrection. Bread has got to die. Bread, Jesus had to die. His flesh had to die. Not slightly dead, not partially, not a little bit messed up, not just beaten. It had to die. Get that? And so this picture in Genesis 40 is a picture of the resurrection of Christ. And we were talking last week after the message how powerful it is to live on this side of the Gospel. To live on this side of Jesus' resurrection. Why? Because we know what happened. We see what happened. We have the Spirit as a guarantee deposited in us saying, this is my Christ. Christ is the Messiah. We are saved by the sovereign work of Jesus Christ. So when we look into the Old Testament, we don't look with veils and wonder, why is there a baker and a cupbearer in the prison with Joseph? We know it's a picture of God saying, my grace is sufficient, so the blood will bring my son back to everlasting life, and his bread, his body has to die. That's why he became man on planet earth. So here in Genesis 40 is powerful because we have Jesus. And that's why I love studying the Old Testament because now we can study it and know it's a confirmation. You know, it's like, yes, God, I get it. I see again. I see again. I see again. You know, and that's how the Lord works. And so in Genesis 40, that picture of the bread dying, the the baker dying, is so valuable for your life and my life. Because like Bill has said it before, we were in a Bible study one night and he was, just, he was just crying out to God. And he was just saying, you know, we were just sharing together in a, in a living room. And, and he was like, and he started to weep. And he just said, I just want God to rip off all my flesh and leave me just bare. Leave me just bare with Christ. And that prayer was being, like, I watched it since, that was what, eight years ago? 
six years, seven years ago, I've watched God answer that prayer. And at times had to remind Bill, yeah, you're in this spot, but you're the one who said to God, rip my flesh off. Right? So he said, okay, that is my will for you. That is my will for you. How hard it may be is not determinant of where the work is or or whether we should go through the work. That's not it. Whatever it costs. That's that song, that worship we had this morning. Jesus, whatever it costs, make me like you. Make me in the image of you that I will be the light to the nations, that I will lead a generation, that I will see people saved, filled, just completely immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can do nothing but change the world as they go about their business. Like, that's what we should do. We were talking in the car yesterday in the truck, and Bill was talking about a guy, and we were talking, cursing came up, and, I, and it like hit me like a lightning bolt. God didn't deliver me from cursing. He, he delivered me from every reason I ever had to curse. He didn't take away my swear words. He just changed inside here and was like, you're not frustrated and angry and, and, and anxious. You're not, you're not so mad. You're not so prideful that you got to be cool and say a curse word. Like, it's just boom, gone. Like, so don't pray that God changes you from me. If you got trouble cursing today, don't pray for change in cursing. Change for a change. Pray for a change of heart. You won't curse because you're just going to be filled with peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Told you we'd do it later. Right? Because that's what takes it away. And so the power of God available to us is going to be limited by the amount of flesh you support and allow to live in your, in your life. It's a crazy life to live with Christ. Because it's the most adventurous, exciting, difficult, hard, up and down thing you could ever do. Like if anyone wants a challenge, don't climb Mount Everest. Follow Christ. (laughs) Right? Amen. And then He doesn't just leave us to try to get there by our own oxygen. He supports the breath of God, Holy Spirit, to say, "Uh, you can follow me because here's my spirit. Boom. Ruach. Fill me up. And now I follow you. But here's the thing, we are vessels, right? And we're in the process of transformation. So our lives, we don't get transformed by keeping flesh alive, right? We transform because this is dying. This ego, your scripture, powerful. The word of God is powerful and effective. It is living, it is active, and it divides the soul and the spirit. You want to know if you're living soulish or under the the unction of the Spirit, get in the Word. And God will clearly hold a mirror in your face and say, look at that flesh. And all, this is, this is it. You don't even have to kill that flesh. You don't have to make it die. You simply say to a brother or a sister, because the Scripture says, confess your sins one to another and be healed. When you confess to God, you're obeying in the fact that you're saying what He said. The problem is, you can say what He said just like the devil can say what he said. You get that? That's the danger of only confessing your sin to God. Well, God knows. You're right, and He knew before you were even created. That isn't the point. Right? Because Satan can come to God and say, well, throw yourself down because you know the Scriptures say, Jesus, if you're the Son of God, He will bear you up on angels' wings. And Jesus says, do you not know it is written? You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? And so we we can say things to God that He's already said. That's the word confess. Say what He says. 
However, in James 5, he says, confess your sins to one another and you're going to be healed. So here's how easy it is to kill your flesh. Tell somebody about the problem you got and bring it into the light and he kills it. Amen. Right? How powerful. It's not even about the like, the shame and the guilt. That's all devil, that's all devil camps. Honestly, I look forward, if I sin, I look forward to the immediacy of my ability to confess that sin. Because I know that whatever God let come to the surface and my flesh showed up, I'm like, oh, I have a chance for this to be healed. Honey, I had this, 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 and this go down. It might be a tough conversation. Okay. Like, we haven't suffered to the point of shedding our own blood. Be honest. Who does Christ look for? Honest. Those who worship me in spirit and in truth. We can't worship Him in spirit and in deceit. Does God love a deceitful worship gathering? No. He loves us, but He doesn't dwell and enjoy the presence of that worship gathering. He loves us enough to bring it to our face and say, Justin, I love you, and here's your problem. And I went through something in December and January, and, and I just share this because this feel the Holy Spirit moved me in this direction. Order. Order is important in our lives. Order is so important that God did everything specifically in order. And God has instructed us through the Word to get our lives in order. When we are out of order, and I'm talking about women relationships with men or wife relationships with husbands, in the church, if we get out of order in the women and the men and how God has established His church body, let me tell you something. The reason that we are free this morning for all to share in this room is not because we have this rebellious spirit against, against uh, regular church. It's because we have established this church in order. Amen. When you establish in order, now you're free. See, what happens is when a body starts to de-establish God's order, and they form authority by women pastors that are over men, men leaders and elders, when they start to change the authority God has put in the Word, there can still be fruit... But that is not evidence that you have approval under the Holy Spirit of the living God. See, fruit is never to be re related to my approval from God. If I see pray, lay my hands on somebody and they're healed, God didn't go, good job, Justin. God just healed somebody. That's it. If I preach a message and people are transformed, God doesn't go, good job, Justin. People are transformed because the Word is powerful and active and it never returns void. So even if a devil preaches the word, which is what the Apostle Paul said, I don't care if people preach it for the wrong reasons, at least Jesus is being preached. Why? Demons preach it, Jesus is still going to bring fruit. So people are like, well, don't go to this place, and don't go to that place. You don't know if you could be in... Let me tell you something. Jesus could save a stripper in a strip club this morning. He is not concealed and confined to our little boxes of where we think people need to be. Jesus is going to be there, and He's going to do His work. But... He says to us, here is my order. When you establish it, you release freedom. And so if you find constriction in your life, it's because something is out of order. Whenever you come to a place and you feel there's constriction, something is out of order. And God is so awesome. He conceals matters so that it's the glory of kings for you to find it out. You're like, but I've been pounding into this thing for so long, God. Like, where's the breakthrough? And God's so cool. He's like, He'll give you that word. Hey, do you have everything in order? Have you, have you given of what I've 
told you to give? Did you tithe what I told you to tithe? Or did you hold back a little bit for yourself? Did you get yourself out of order one click, one small fox? Because when you do that, you then start to just turn the dial. Click, 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 click. Because once you're out of, out of order in that one area, the problem is as we seek the Lord in our spirit, we actually can, can affect ourselves in the negative realm from that constricting process. Because then we go on a witch hunt, right? And we get co- totally confused. So what the Bible says, go back to the Word. So if you're in a constricting place, okay, in your life, don't go to inside yourself and try to find out why you're in this place. Go to the Word and say, what's not in order in my life? What's not in order in the places where I've been? December and January for me were the most difficult of my life. Produced out of that, a nervous, not a nervous breakdown, but a panic attack, anxiety attack that came in in March. And I've never struggled with that. And so, having all of that go down, what was going on was, I had gotten myself out of order with the ministry. So we have Genesis Ranch, and it takes money to run a big ministry. I was given an assignment, and the Lord's assignment was, build the ranch. The Lord's assignment was not, build the ranch and worry about the funds. It wasn't His assignment. His assignment was, build it. What I did in December and leading up to that, and the Lord let me see how this flesh was holding on, is I came into a place where I was saying, I'm not going to be able to do it. We're not going to make it. Debts are, con- debts are coming. Things are coming. You know, I'm, we're not going to... And all of that internal pressure was just in putting everything out of order. God's order was, do it, trust me. Justin's order was, I can do it if you just give me what I need to do it. Right? And it's like this oxymoron that you, you have to deal with. But what God showed me was, this is coming to the surface and it's going to be one of the most difficult things of your life because you're going to be free from it. And I can tell you today, no panic attacks, no anxiety attacks. I'm, I'm physically feeling better. I feel like I could lift this barn today. I mean, and I'm, I'm telling you, because, and I have a contentment, and Bill's been praying this for me since I was, since we knew each other. I have a contentment in my heart. I don't have one worry about the funds. In fact, I don't worry to the point that it's like, I'm just going to enjoy doing the assignment God's given me. And I'll just trust. You know what? If for whatever reason He says, I'm not going to provide, then the assignment's changing. And that's cool too. Right? I mean, okay, God, I'm, I'm yours. Like, you're ki- I'm your kid. And you're a good dad. And you got me. And I can say that, and I'm not boasting, I'm boasting in Christ. Because that's not, that wasn't me. And my wife can tell you. Like, the joy that I have. I don't even worry on bill day. You know, it's just like, not, not bill day. But, <laughs> on right to check bill day, you know. Because God's got it. And, he, and he, he proves that over and over and over. But here's why God raised that to the surface. Because this ministry would never have existed if I continued year after year after year after year worried about how the money was going to come. I wouldn't be fit to lead. I wouldn't be fit to build. I wouldn't be fit to do anything except sit in my bed and feel tired, right? God's like, no, let's get that. We're going to throw that away. We'll put you back in order. All of a sudden, all the constriction I felt from October, November, December, and January, just it like went away. And it was like God synchronized everything. 
Oh, you needed a new vehicle. Boom, you got it. Oh, you needed to sell your old vehicle. Boom, you got it. Oh, you needed to do this. Boom, you got it. Oh, you needed this. Boom, 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 boom. Not because I got some giant um, check in the mail. That wasn't it. And I told these guys yesterday, I said, I'm not delivered from financial restriction because I got a million dollars in the mail. It, wasn't, it didn't even have a gift attached to it. It was just God was like, we're done with that one. Let's move on. So that's what I'm talking about this morning. So look at 1 Peter 4. And I'll close this up because I know we're going to eat lunch and get rolling. It's only been 16 minutes though since I started talking. <laughs> All right, 1 Peter 4. We finished with this because we were talking about the baker and the cupbearer, and it talks about how the, how the flesh has to die, but the blood brings us to life, right? And I want you to see in the very first verse of 1 Peter 4, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, which is the part of him that died, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as, look at, look at, look at this. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, look at that, you're still alive in the flesh, but no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Amen. Amen. That's our, that's our promise. That's not just something God said that's like, oh, pie in the sky, this, I hope this comes to pass. No, this is our lives. Since Jesus died, his flesh, he suffered in that flesh. That flesh had to die. Since that happened, arm yourself with that way of thinking. Don't think you can drink two cups. You cannot drink the cup of demons and the cup of the Spirit. You cannot partake in the flesh and the Spirit. You cannot marry light with darkness. You cannot bring those things together. And God is saying to us, die. Let me kill you and heal you and destroy everything that works against the contentment and prosperity of your spirit. The contentment and prosperity of your spirit. Catch that. God wants our spirits to be so content that our boldness is off the charts. We don't have one ounce of fear to lay our hands on somebody like a Saul and say, in the name of Jesus, receive your sight, be filled with the Holy Ghost, stand up and go preach the gospel throughout the world. And know that we just accomplished what God told us to do. So therefore, it's complete, right? And so if we will suffer in that flesh, we will cease from sin. That's awesome. It's not have to battle that, you know, it's what Bill said, I'm not worried about how to get through the tough times anymore. I want to know how to go from glory to glory. I want to move from grace to grace. Why? Because He gives more grace. So, do you think any of us in this room have enough glory this morning? We want more, right? How could we ever sap or tap or get all of God's grace? We couldn't. Not on this planet. So we just... And I'm not talking about being a taker, 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 taker. I will, I, I will praise the Lord because... He wants us to take this from Him. He extended grace, so He said, find it. Twice today, He brought Hebrews 4.16. Find the grace that I already gave you. I mean, that's a pretty profound word, right? So that means in your moment, the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace superabounds. 
So actually, when you're at your worst in the spirit, when you've sinned in the flesh, even though you're a spirit-filled person, right that moment, go for it all. Because God's super abundant grace is just getting poured out. I'm serious. It sounds so backwards. Like, well, I was just mean to my wife. Right then, go after it. Right there, God, your super abundant grace. I need it. Because you'll cease from sin. So it says, verse 3, For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in central passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Which means, guys, you don't have to. Verse 6, For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That's why Jesus went to prison like Joseph in chapter 40 of Genesis who was in prison, a picture of Jesus. And only thing that brought that, that person out was the cupbearer who eventually brought out Joseph because he brought him back to Pharaoh and said, Remember Joseph? He's in prison. Even though it was two years, the blood, the cupbearer brought Joseph out of prison. The blood brought Jesus out of prison. And what did he do? Brought captivity captive with him and led him as a host to the glory of glories and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's where Jesus is, and that's where he is today. And so he says, they might live in the Spirit the way that God does. So what's the point? What is the point of why your flesh has to die? It's to be 100% immersed in the Spirit of the living God. Baptized, immersed, filled up, flowing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus wants to save the world. Jesus wants to bless the world. Jesus wants to show that He loves the world. And you can't do it in the flesh. No one can do it in the flesh. So it's the Spirit of the living God that is dwelling within us who's saying, here's the reason to let your flesh die. You'll have all of my Spirit and I will not withhold anything from those who ask me for the Spirit. I'm a good dad. You ask me for the Spirit, see if I won't pour it out. So we ask, Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, That anyone in this room, Lord, who's not just been immersed and desires to be immersed in the Spirit of the living God, fall fresh right now in Jesus' name. And that, Lord, You would impart the power of Your Spirit to the children even, God. To the children, even as John jumped in his mother Elizabeth's womb, Lord. That You would just place in these children Your Spirit. Praise You, mighty God. Thank You for a fresh filling this morning. Thank You for a fresh filling. All Your grace is so sufficient. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hmm. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 1 Peter 4.10 Amen? Amen. Woo! Our God is a consuming fire. All right. Lunch is served.